I work totally on reframing the thinking of the people in my world. And even at Gold Medal, I created it into a movement that everyone wanted to join. Welcome to the Everything is Influence podcast. This podcast is dedicated to help you understand why human beings do the things they do and ultimately how you can work with human psychology to influence change and get people to do what you want them to. Whether this is your clients, your prospects, your kids, your spouse, or anyone you come into contact with, this show will give you the tools of influence so that you can become more, unlock your true potential, and serve even more powerfully than you already do. My name is Eli Wild. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the Everything is Influence podcast, where on each and every episode, we dig into the four levels of influence. How do we ultimately influence ourselves, take what's inside of us, that certainty, that congruency, that mission, that purpose, transfer it to another human being, level two influence, to a group, level three, and at the highest level of influence, legendary influence, we were able to take the mission, the values, all of the knowledge is inside of us and to transfer it to people at scale, legendary influence where we influence when we're not even there. And our guest today has done this at the highest level, having exited two companies for multi eight figures each and is just a beast of human being. So, uh, Mr. Mike, how are you, sir? Yeah, glad to be here. I, I love the, the whole influence. It's so important and also so misunderstood in the world uh, today. So I'm glad we're going to dig into this. Yeah, yeah. I want to kind of just start here just to give everybody some context. I know you've written 18 books. Yeah. You had a service-based company, a service-based education company, and you've just, you've got a lot going on now. You've got a self-development company. Give everybody kind of your, your background, your backstory to let let just give everybody some context as to uh, who you are. Yeah, I'll give everybody the the fast version. I mean, first, I'm just a uh, someone who's been on their own since they're 15. I went to a vocational school, and that how it worked back then when I went to vocational school is it was like a conveyor belt. It's like college, college, college. Mike, no way in hell. Vocational school. Better figure out a trade. Uh, and I went to become an electrician. And uh, a lot of people say, why why electrical? And back then, being on my own at 15, I was in a pretty dark space, pretty angry young guy. I figured, man, electrical was one of the most dangerous things. Like, you do it wrong, you're dead. Um, now, looking back, I'm thinking, man, I might add some kind of a death wish there. After I graduated, I worked for a whole bunch of electricians. And I figured, these people, these idiots, if they can do it, I can do it started my own electrical contracting company, found out I was just like those idiots. I didn't know how to do it either. It took me like, Eli, probably 10 to 12 years to figure out and really get to the breaking point. The breaking point was uh, my son was going to be born. Mm -hmm. And anybody who has children, um, this could be a very catalytic uh, shift in your life. And I remember my wife in the hospital, my son was born. He was born four and a half weeks on my birthday. So, mm -hmm. and we named them uh, my same name, Michael, which means I've created the perfect person to steal my identity someday. So if any of you uh, are gonna have children, maybe don't do that. And I remember uh, being home that night, putting together one of these uh, gliding rocking chairs. So my, my wife could breastfeed and stuff. Yeah. And I remember just sitting in there and I don't know about the listeners, if you could relate, I just, I just broke down crying. I was just, I just broke down and I was having flashbacks. Eli, I was going to be like my dad. I was going to be a very hard worker, but I'm going to miss everything in my family's life. I'm not going to be there. And eventually I'm just going to be fatigued and um, kind of like snap, something snapped in me in that moment and said, you better, you better start to figure this out and quickly. So I came across somebody back then that was teaching how to grow a business. It was actually a guy called uh, Maurice Mayo. He was big in the service industry. And I said, man, you know what? If you know how to do three things, you could grow a company, marketing, sales, and leadership. Mm -hmm. And I rotate those in order based on the time of uh, the world. The world we're going in now, 
heading into 2023, you have to be a sales organization first, marketing and then leadership. Mm -hmm. At least that's that's my belief. But uh, if we were in a good recession, then it could be marketing, sales and leadership. And I took a service company, a plumbing HVAC electrical company from under a million to 32 million in less than 10 years, double digit profit. I had 200 employees and I sold it in 2017, which look, a lot of listeners, you, you have a lot of great people following you. I know you for probably over a decade. I think the thing that's kind of cool that is a little impressive is I signed my name and walked away. Mm. I didn't wow. have to go back. Yeah. I didn't have to stay on. I didn't have to do anything. And the reason why I sold it was not because I didn't love it because I mean, it was doing 32 million a year. I was making bucket loads of money. I was doing very, very well. And I'm going to say a phrase I want everybody to think about. Maybe it falls into this influence thing. If you're mm -hmm. still doing exactly what you were doing for 10 years ago, the last decade, you're not expanding personally. That's what I learned. I, after a decade, turned around and said, okay, the service industry, plumbers, what they call a uh, blue collar, yeah. which you talk about this segregation uh, BS that they talk in the world. I mean, we've been segregating white collar and blue collar from the beginning of time. Sounds like biggest segregation yeah. in, in the world. Mm -hmm. But I went out there and I started another company called CEO Warrior. And, and yeah. um, there's gonna be a word that I think probably falls into this influence too, or into maybe your fourth stage. Um, I wanted to go out there and change the way the service industry behaved, functioned. Because when you think of a plumber coming to your house or anybody listening, yeah. you 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 think of what? You think of plumber, a butt crack, a guy in a flannel shirt, he's scruffy, he didn't shave. Mm -hmm. He probably smells a little scrappy like he just ate a pork leg and cheese. Maybe for some of you, Taylor Ham, whatever the hell you call it. Yeah. And um, I wanted to change that. I wanted to create a movement in the service industry it would change the way that people did service forever and um i did that over over eight years i created a movement that was called ceo warrior anybody wants to ever check it out and i've created in that movement just in the last 18 months eli i've created over 23 now deca millionaires because they've they've grown their mind they've grown their company they learned how to exit like I taught them and they exited wealthy and, and they're set forever. They're set for legacy. Well, so that takes you up to at least 2017. I'll open it up and then we could go a little further. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you've taken this company from one to 32 million and you focus on sales, then marketing, then leadership. That's kind of a now thing back then it was marketing sales yeah. leadership. Um, you know, obviously you made some tweaks in that company to grow it 32 X. Um, what were some of the distinctions with sales, with marketing, leadership? Like what, what created a 32X uh, specifically? What are some of the distinctions that somebody could model? Yeah, I, I'm going to give you a really big distinction. I didn't know it was happening then, but I know it now. Um, you know, in the world today, a lot of people are talking about this 10X theory, right? 10X things, 10X your business. Great theory. I believe what no one's telling you that I learned um, when I grew the service company is in order to 10X anything, you have to 20X yourself. Yeah. And if if you don't 20X yourself, you'll always be trying to chase the business uh, business growth. And then what I learned was I was growing so fast, not just in revenue, but personally, I knew that I needed to grow my people at the same rate of speed. Now, I'm not talking this culture foo-foo stuff. People talk about culture, culture, you know, you know, uh, sing and dance and eat popcorn and stuff. I'm talking about the ability to help your team take on an ownership and help them. Like, I'll give you an example, core values. I'll tell you exactly how I did core values wrong. When I was building core values and I was scaling that company, I, who else do you go to learn core values? Zappos, right? Like 10 core values, I build 10 killer core values. I can't remember them. So I'm like, what good is 10 core values if you can't even remember them? I got them down to five. And here's a secret sauce for all of you that I believe is a distinction for massive growth that shifted the way people um, functioned in my company. 
was I made sure the core values were something they could live at the company and at home. Mm-hmm. You see, I worked totally on reframing the thinking of the people in my world. And even at Gold Medal, I created it into a movement that everyone wanted to join because when they joined the movement, it was not, see, in the world today, it's a lot about just me. And I wanted it to be not just about them, I wanted it to be about each other. And I used to say, we're only as strong as the weakest link. And a lot of people say that, but they don't do anything with it. That's one of the huge uh, distinctions we made was focusing on how they think, how they act, how they move, and how they do it in the outside world of the company. And you you said that in order to 10x something, you need to 20x yourself. You what was the process for you to grow as a leader? It's It's obviously taking on an active role in the employees of your company to develop them. And what were the processes you went for yourself to develop you to be able to be that kind of leader for them? Yeah, look, I started uh, I started martial arts when I was 15 and now I'm level uh, level 52. Um, in case yeah. anybody wants to start using level, I don't know why people act like when you talk to people today, like, oh, I'm 52 years old. I'm like, I'm level 52. Every I'm year 52. I get faster, quicker, and more powerful, just like a lot of you listening to this. Being in the martial arts now, 37 years or something, I learned three things that my instructor had taught me. He taught me mind, he taught me body, and he taught me spirit. He said, the mind is going to be the most important thing. Without a good mind, you can't even know how to move the body. And he says, you got to have a vessel. Your body has to be conditioned enough to have endurance to move forward to get what you want. And he goes, if your mind and body aren't aligned, you'll lose your whatever you want to call your internal spirit. That's when people get fatigued and they just want to do nothing. So I will tell you that um, anytime someone asks me, they say, you know, Mike, if there was only one thing that you could do, one thing that equates to all success, and if we took it away, you feel it would have took away, and I'd have told you to martial arts. And the reason why is because I learned one word, one word that changed everything, mastery. Mm-hmm. Now, mastery is a word thrown around in a lot of a, a lot of things today. A lot of events throw mastery. But you got to understand in my world of mastery, it was the ability to function in a space on how you move your hand, how you breathe, how you look. I mean, to the point my instructor used to have us, well, I do have samurai swords on the wall, but I'll just, this is a training knife. We would have a sword, Eli, and we would put the sword, one on my neck and one on the other person's neck. And we, mm. my instructor would go, okay, now move. Now, you know how a knife works. Like if it's still, you're fine. But if it does this, you're cut. No. And we used no. to have to sit there and you learn how to own your mind really fast when you have to move with the breath and the motion of somebody else. And I'm not telling people who want to be successful that they have to go take martial arts today. But what I am sharing with you is I believe mastery is the ability to be better tomorrow than you are today by design, by design. Mm -hmm being better tomorrow than you are today by design. And if you think about the mind, the body, and the spirit tied to that word mastery, then you could create any size movement that you want. How does one get better by design day by day? Yeah. So uh, every single every single night before you go to bed, just do, do your own evaluation. Just sit there and say to yourself, hey, and, and you know, Eli, it's so funny. I, I ask people all the time and they always give me these programmed answers. I say to them, if you were to rewind time, knowing what you know now, what would you do different? And they got this, the world is so programmed. They're like, I would do nothing. I'm like, really? Me as a father, I'm with my beautiful wife, Jennifer, since I'm 15, I'm level 52. We got decades together. There is so many things I would have did different, said different, learned different. 
So first you have to realize that at night before you go to bed, when you're doing an evaluation of the day, you're not judging yourself. You're being curious. And, and everybody should write that down right now. Be curious first and then judgmental second, because when you're judging yourself, you're hurting yourself. But when you're curious, you're learning. Hey, how did my day go? If I was to do something different or what did I say? And you do this self-evaluation. The second thing you do is before you go to bed is you just make sure you have a notebook and you sit there and write down everything that you want to be tomorrow. What do you want to improve tomorrow? So let's say you have a task uh, tomorrow. You're going to meet with a client and you're going to talk about your program. Okay. Well, you've met with clients. You have 20 years of experience, but what is the thing you want to work on tomorrow with the client? It's never a fancy phrase or a strategy. It's always you being a different you. It's mm -hmm. you being a different you by design. So I love the self-evaluation. The other thing is when you wake up in the morning, understanding what you want mastery to feel like for you, right? What do you want it to feel like? What's the first thing? Like when I get up, well, it's, it rubs off during the day once I sweat and stuff. But like part of my mastery practice is I have a black marker every Every single day after I shower, come up here, I have some necklaces, I put my stuff on, I have a knife I always carry, and I take the black marker and I write right on my hand, right on my arm here, my exact focus that I'm going for. Exactly either the revenue, every morning, black magic marker. So if you walk in me one day, you see black magic marker, you know that's part of my mastery practice because there's something to be said about the intention, Eli, the ability to open up the marker, the ability to smell it, the ability to take the conscious decision to write it, the ability to see it throughout the day. Now, I always tell people, uh, of course, I'm I'm a tattoo. Yeah. I'm a tattoo artist. Most people don't know that. I I don't do it often anymore, but I've done it for 28 years. Thank God I didn't tattoo that stuff because I'd I'd have like every goal, every target would have lines uh, through it. But that's a that's a couple ideas on how you can quest and move forward towards greater mastery. Yeah, I have things on my wall. I'll often write things on my own arm. And uh, just this weekend, my my father passed away one mm. year ago this weekend. And um, the nurse uh, printed up his last EKG heartbeat. And so I got it tattooed on the inside. Oh, of I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So it's just, you know, these powerful reminders, anchors, things to ground us into this, this future state. And what I do at the end of the day is I have my values, kind of very Benjamin Franklin-esque of how I want to live, key ways of being. And this principle I got from a buddy of mine, Chase Hughes, is that my future self is more important than my current self. And so everything I'm doing today is for him, whether it's laying out my clothes, getting prepared, getting organized, like getting things together today and, you know, not sinking back into default delayed, you know, or instant gratification, but delaying things for this more important person that I'm becoming so I can live into that. And then I review how well did I live uh, in alignment in congruence with this expanded version of self as a leader, as a, as a man, as a, as a human. And so that's, that's really powerful. Um, do you write these things down and just keep a journal every day on this? Every, every day. Yeah. Every day. And, I, and I'm a yellow pad uh, junkie too. Like yeah. I just have multiple all, all the time. So I'm in a constant state of writing and reevaluating. I believe a mastery, uh, a mastery skill set is the ability to plan and the ability to course correct and evaluate constantly throughout your day, I, I think is, is super, super important for people to think about. You know, there's so many, like everybody knows the term probably manifestation, right? Manifestation. And I think what people don't realize about these things about manifesting is that you don't turn it on and off. You're literally manifesting what you want or don't want every millisecond of the day. It's not like you sit here and go, now I'm going to create, now I'm not. You're, you're conscious, you're subconscious, you're super conscious. The whole thing is constantly creating. And, and one more point here. I feel if, if people want to go to another level, they have to realize you something must die in order for something new to grow. And it's normally a thought that has to die, a past moment has to die, 
It has to be something in the past that needs to die and go away. And then you need to put something new in its place. And this is why, look, if it was so easy, if it was so easy, I always, I always bust on people. I'm like, um, when I talk, I go, you know, who read Think and Grow Rich? And come on, every hand goes up. And then I go, okay, great book. How many of you are rich in this room? And 90% of the hands go down. So I don't know. Is it the wrong book? They can't read it through the right mind. They don't execute on what it says. Is it possible that the thoughts stacked on top of, you know, poor programming doesn't work? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the world's running. And I don't know, maybe you got young listeners, but, you know, I, I was brought up with like there was a Commodore 64 computer. This was like mm -hmm. one of the original computers. Like I only had one friend that could make it like put enough ones and O's and make like a Pac-Man thing. But people are still trying to run like with a Commodore 64 computer and their past is like having a computer with a virus and trying to upload the new version of Microsoft Word. Do you realize that you could do, and then I gotta tell you, Eli, I don't know why it took so long. It's only since I sold the second company that I stepped back and said, wait a second here. All right, look, you sell one big company, ah, they go, good, great job, lightning strikes once. You sell two and you sell one in the middle of a pandemic, you gotta say it's not lightning, lightning striking no more. And when I sat there and looked back and said, wait a second, what is the big difference here? The big difference is people are trying to stack new knowledge and wisdom on top of a software system that can't process it and won't let you apply it. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at I me. Mean, I bet you know dozens of people that tell you they've read thousands of books and they've never hit nearly a level of success that's impressive by people. But they've read a thousand books. Why? They haven't focused on improving the process system so I could do it. And now that we do this, I'm telling you, like deck of millionaires left and right. People, everybody write this down, everybody right now. Your greatest future, your greatest future is already built. It's already there. It's waiting for your ass to catch up to it. Your greatest future is already built. It's waiting for you to catch up to it. The only way to catch up it's not about being positive. I know a lot of positively very broke ass people, but they're very positive every day. They're broke. They don't have what they want. They can't, they can't go the places they want, but they're positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's in this second company. So tell us what, when did you start CEO warrior? Was it 2017 after you built? No, it was actually 2014. I started it. I got the service company. Yep. to run without me for five years. I had 200 employees. I didn't have an office in the building. And I believe one of the magic tricks was how do you get a large organization to run without you and to be able to scale and grow? And then it was 2014 that what was happening is I kept going around other tradespeople and they would go, uh, I'd say, how's business? And they'd go, uh, you know, same old problems, hard to hire people. And I'm like, I got 200 in a waiting list. I'm like, so I kept having to get around these great people. I believe the service company, these, these guys are the hardest working people on the planet. And I kept having to dim myself because of their experience. Hmm. And that's when I turned around, I went to my partner and I said, that's it. I was put on this earth to change lives. I got to change these people now because, okay, celebrate. Mike's doing 32 million a year, but all his other uh, brothers in the trade industry are dying in addicts. People are, you know, they're, they're fatigued. They can't bend their hands. Someone had to step up and really shift it. And that, and that's why I decided to do CEO warrior. And we had a great tagline. You're either average or a warrior because look, when you woke up in the morning, did anybody wake up this morning and go, huh, you know what? I think that today I'm just going to be average. Like no one wakes up. You wake up in the morning and you go, you know what? I want to be a superhero. I want to be Iron Man. I want to be Hulk. I want to, I want to be something that's bigger and stronger and powerful. Then you'll move forward. Yeah. That's how CEO Warrior came about. What was the first, did you just contact your warm 
network of people that had service-based businesses say, hey, I'm putting together this thing, this mastermind, this group, this event. Like, how did that start? Was it a kickoff, three-day, one-day, two-day event where you sold on the back end? Did you invite so people to call them? Like, I'm yeah, just, I'm you're just gonna love it. The, the origins. And, and also, yeah. a lot of times people sell it and then build it, but you kind of looked internally and had your own process for hiring, for firing, for systematizing. Yeah. Did you just sell them into that, create your own IP? What, what was the process yeah. of creating well, first, I you know the thirty-two million dollar company. We I was a, a system machine because the only way you could get a company to run without you for five years is it, it has to be systems, right? And I always call it like processes equal profit, right? And all I did back then was I went out there and I did a Facebook post and said, "Look, I've grown a big company." And I'm looking to help some people. At that time, I was probably doing 28 million. And I said, if you're interested, reach out to me. And five people reached out and I got on the phone and I said, uh, hey, I just want to help some people grow. And they said, well, how much is it? And I I, I didn't have a plan yet. So I said, uh, $3,000 a month. And guy said, okay. And I went, all right, so come to my office on this day. I'm going to get a couple more people. We'll go through it. So then I did another call, and this guy said, "How much is it?" And I said, "Well, okay, it's three thousand a month for six months." He said, "Okay." I said, "Show up on this date," and I said, "Okay." So then I did the next call. The guy said, "How much is it?" I said, "It's only three thousand dollars for a year." I said, "We got to at least spend a year together." He said, "Okay," and then I had three wow. people in a room. And I printed off stuff and put it in manila folders. And for three days, I just opened up manila folders and went through each piece of intellectual property. I had everything from marketing, sales, operations, systems. I mean, you know, we were, we were very good at marketing, every aspect of marketing from billboard to TV to, you know, to direct mail, you name it. We, because I became a marketer I became a marketer. That was a very missing distinction before I knew how to grow a company. I'll tell you who changed my life. It was Dan Kennedy. Anybody who knows him, I mean, he's the godfather of, of marketing. And I was at an event of his. This is, you know, decades ago now. And he asked everybody, Eli, he said, what business are you in? And I was like, electrical contracting. He, he was setting everybody up for the kill. He goes, no, you're not you're only in the business of marketing. And it clicked for me. And I said, man, I don't understand this marketing stuff. And then I consumed it until I could, I could master it. I wanted to consume it at a, at a level that I could be respected by the greatest marketers. You know, I've been on stage now with Jay Abraham, highest paid consultant on earth. And, and, you know, and Dean Jackson, it's funny, Dean Jackson says it good. He says, marketing is everything, everything's marketing. But Brian Kurtz, another brilliant guy, he says, marketing is the only thing. Hmm. It really sets the set stage. So that's how I got started. And before you know it, I said, okay, these people want, they want help. And then I started a group. Um, there's a whole story behind that. I, I could share with you how I started a group and I was a complete fake to the world. If you think it's me, value for everybody. Yeah. Let me interject with this really quick because, um, you know, uh, for me, sales is my whole thing. And even for Tony, it was just sales speaking, meeting people. And Tony's business has blown up. Tony Robbins since Dean came in, since they're actually doing some real marketing. I, would, I don't do any marketing myself. Hence I'm starting this podcast and things like that. Um, you know, and so we're figuring it out. Um, for everybody listening, what was a Dan Kennedy, I guess, book, a specific one that helps you the most out of his content? And I have, I just got breakthrough advertising. I got some of these tools, you know, Eugene Swartz stuff. I'm going through all of it right now. And it's, it's a lot because you said every company is a marketing company first. You had already built a great brand. And you yeah. said that marketing is important, but now with things changing specifically with this upcoming you know, some people say recession, uh, sales is going to be really important. And, you know, I, I bring this up because when I, I was with Tony for a few years, I left and I came back to work for Tony, uh, 2010, right. You know, 2009, 2010, right. When the recession was hitting and because there was such a sales focus, our company blew up and I, I feel that's happening again. So you built these companies, obviously you were marketing, 
but you had a really great sales process. And typically the folks listening are salespeople or you know, people of influence, not just the marketing. What were some different things that you did? Um, I'll start there. What are some different things you did as far as sales process to help get to those numbers? Not just- Yeah, marketing. yeah. And just so everybody knows, so the Dan Kennedy, I mean, all his books are amazing, but direct marketing, a no BS direct marketing book, is really, really great. And he has another book, a price strategy book, and he has a selling to the affluent, but you can't go wrong with reading uh, one of his books. You know, yeah. I lived through the um, the recession of 2008 there. So I understand what it was like to get real scrappy. I never had a down year. I never had a flat year. The minimum we added per year was a million dollars. You know, the biggest thing about, and I do believe sales is extremely important, and that's why I believe it's a first thing in marketing second, because the reason why selling right now is so important, because you need to build a bank, a parachute bank, right? Yeah. You need to build a bucket of cash. And the reason why you need to build it is one for protection and two is for opportunity, there's two types of people going into 2023. There's those that are already slicing their own wrist. These are the people complaining about, you know, gas money. I just told my son the other day, you know, you know how to never complain about gas again. He said, yeah, I know. I heard you say it a million times. He goes, make a lot more money. I said, yeah, then you never complain about gas again, right? He's 23, he runs his own business. He's an author since he's 19. And so the first, first step is, you know, and I'll give some strategies is being ready to sell to have that because the other person out there is like us, I'm sitting here and I'm building a big bucket because I want to catch as much opportunity in 2023 as possible. Recessions start in the mind. Okay. When you recession proof your mind, you recession proof your business. Okay. And I tell everybody, I've been saying, do you want to know the one thing that kept us from having any problems in the recession in 2008. I'll share it with everybody. I went in front of my culture and back then, I don't know, maybe I have 75 or hundred people. I don't remember back then. And I said to them, hey, everybody, tell me what you're hearing. And, oh, the news, the recession is, I said, okay, cool. Here's the deal. I am not willing to participate mm-hmm. in what anybody's telling. I am not willing to participate and neither are you. And we became a culture of not willing to participate. Now, let me share a funny sales story, which is going to play right in the next year. So I go to a guy's house myself to sell a job because I've sold myself. I mean, I've sold millions and millions of dollars myself. And I go to a guy's house and I'm selling a generator for his house. So if the power goes on, his power comes on. And I give him the price, whatever it was, 18,000. And he goes, oh, is there anything you could do better? You know, the recession. I said, oh my goodness, did you lose your job? He goes, oh no, I'm really secure. I'm the CEO of the company. <laughs> I said, did your wife lose her job? Oh no, she's secure. She works at a hospital. It's a very good position. She's been there 20 years. Mm-hmm. I said, I'm confused why we're having this conversation about the recession. Is it affecting you? And he said, where do I sign? Where do I sign? And that's when I started to click, Eli, that, wait a minute, recession is something that's programmed into creating a belief for those that are experiencing or those that are not experiencing it. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's the number one sales strategy is don't participate in that. The second thing is, if you look at the sales side is, and those of you that understand wealth, and if you're on here and you know sales and money, you're probably starting to either experience or you have massive wealth, you know, the money doesn't disappear. It's just relocating. It doesn't, it doesn't, the money doesn't just off the planet. It's just, re, it's just relocating. And I also think the world today is even a little smarter. I think people are, well, first off, people spend, I believe, easier. And I do believe they'll still spend easier in this recession with the right conversations, the right strategies. And the reason is because people now have come so close to what they perceive as death. Okay. Now I'm not taking away um, that there was death through COVID. I lost four relatives in 40 days, okay? So it's a real thing. But the fact is, 
it's not like it was the plague where people were dropping in the streets and stuff. But the reality is people spend easier because they really feel life is short and unpredictable. It's always been short and unpredictable. So one of the things to understand is the fact that people feel that there's a recession, your sales strategy is not to play into the recession, but make it so obvious why this makes so much sense right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's controlling the frame, changing the meaning. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's how it's done. That's uh, that's phenomenal. So that's, that's what you've always done. Sales, marketing, leadership. Um, You've exited your company. If you could say, what kind of numbers was CEO Warrior doing and what did you sell it for, if you can say? Yeah, I can't say what we sold it for, but you know, we sold 40 million in coaching in 2020. So let's just say that if you sell a company, it's probably for plenty more than that. And um, the service company uh, back then was doing 32 million. Um, that one, I got an eight multiple for anybody who knows multiples, which was consider the cat's meow back then. Today, it's like baby food. Now a plumbing company or HVAC company, they're anywhere from 12 to 20 multiple. It's 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 as much as a SaaS company. So any of you thinking of Man. going into the service business, probably a pretty smart move. And it's recession proof. It's pandemic proof. Like, you know, you need a toilet. You're not going to crap in a, in a five gallon pail and go out back and, and bury it. Right. But yeah. And, and there's look, um, I didn't, I sold the companies, but really what I did was release my energy. So someone else's energy could take it further. And they did that. Eli, the service company I sold, they bought a bunch of other companies and probably in New Jersey alone, they're doing probably 350 million to my 32 million, right? And wow. same thing with CEO Warrior. I released my energy because I knew one thing. If you're not evolving every decade, if you are not shifting what you're doing, you're not evolving. And I knew that with the, I mean, look today, it's, um, you know, the, the pandemic has mentally just really destroyed people that some because they have long COVID. Some of it, it's just because, you know, they emotionally and that's that's why I moved into this new world is not because I had to. Life is super comfortable at these other things. It's because somebody needs to do it. So it might as well might as well be me. Yeah. So you're completely out of CEO Warrior and you've started a new jam. Tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I started a company called Food Dog Group. If you're wondering what a food dog is, like this is a food dog, everybody. It's these, it's these lion dogs, and they they sit outside like big imperial uh, castles and stuff. Like a Chinese. What's that? A Chinese dog? Is it like Asian? Yeah, Yeah. it's really a a Chinese lion, and there's a male and a female, and they would protect. And uh, the reason why we pick them, my wife and I, is because one that there's a male and female and like you need both sides inside of everyone and both sides in a relationship and it brought me into the personal development space i believe there's a lot of people in the personal development space that are really helping but i think there's a lot of people that are saying the same thing the last 40 50 years and if i just remember going to an event one time eli and someone's oh man i say how many times you've been here eight times I've been to this. And I'm like, man, tell me about your life. I'm divorced and I'm, I'm struggling in my health span. I'm like, you've been here eight times. You think you should go to a different event? Like you, you got to try something. And it started to click for me. Like, wait a second here. Some of the stuff has not evolved. And then I stepped in a world and uh, look, I don't know all things, but I believe I figured out some things, right? I'm with my wife since I'm 15. Okay. That's a long time to be in a relationship. I have kids. I built and sold businesses and I've learned that there's non-traditional ways to think about how to get your mind aligned for the future. Look, it's not adding in, it's removing resistance. You have to remove resistance. And so that brought me in the world. And I got to tell you, I didn't think after I sold CEO Warrior, my plan was just to do some cool trainings because I'm constantly creating. So I did a training called Seekers of Power. And it was great. It was two nights a week. 
for three weeks, Eli. I loved it. I had a blast. It was virtual. Knock, I was teaching people about the elements that I learned when I trained martial arts. It's called Godai. It's from the Book of Five Rings. It was amazing. And then I decided, you know what? I'll do another training. I built one called Unlocking the Wealth Code. And I noticed from one training to the next training, Eli, people went up and back down. Mm -hmm. Up, and, and I said, and then one of my clients in, he says, listen, I realized that I come to a training, I smash it out and I keep resetting back. Not as far, because if you blow up a balloon, it don't pop, right? It's still bigger, but he goes, I'm still coming down some. And that's why I built a group called the Freedom Tribe. And the Freedom mm -hmm. Tribe, we get together and, and anybody listen, I'm not here pitching on anything. So please understand at this stage of my life, people come and work with me because they feel I have a skill set. So please don't think I'm selling you anything, even though Eli's like, man, sell them something. I'm like, it's, yeah, it's not I me. I don't, I, I don't have to do that. Uh, I haven't had to do that a long time, but I built the Freedom Tribe so that we can meet with people uh, once a week at night. We do cool trainings together and we could help people holistically. Let me share the gap that I solved. Here's what happened, Eli. Um, mm -hmm. Me and my wife, we have kids. I'm going to all these trainings, man. I am going to everything. Tony Robbins and you know, you name it, Dan Kennedy. And I'm all over the world learning and growing. But my mm -hmm. wife's here and she's holding down the fort. Now, it doesn't take rocket science, even though it took an event for me to figure it out that if if one part of the relationship's growing and the other's not if you're not growing together you're growing apart period i've watched it over i've worked with thousands of service companies i watched it and what we wanted to do was create a place where a couple can come and learn together and get aligned and they don't have to be in business it could be a mom, it could be a grandmother, it could be, could have a corporate job. The husband could own a company, not, but they get to come together because here's the thing, you know, I'm sure you see it all over social media. I just saw a post the other day. Someone was saying, you want a successful relationship, you have to date your wife. I said, I don't want to date my wife. When I dated, I wasn't committed. I don't want to date her. I'm in a committed relationship. I want to stay connected. And then they tell you, oh, you got to go on date night. Date night never solved anything. All you did, I went on date night when I heard that long time. Me and my wife sat there and we talked about the kids. It didn't solve or fix anything. When, they, when a couple has a place to go and learn and spend time together and learn skill sets about either critical thinking or clarity and alignment or strengths and weakness, whatever it is, now the couples can get realigned and grow together. So that's the that's the environment we built now is super exciting. We're gonna look, we're gonna impact a million people or more in a decade or less in a hundred countries or more. And we're well out of the gate on this already. Wow, that's a that's an amazing vision. That's this new this new company, the Food yeah. Dog. Okay. And it's uh, this Freedom Tribe, and you guys meet up once a week and do events together and things like that. And you have yeah. people bring their significant other. Yeah, if they have it. If they're not, then they they come alone. And sometimes we have um, sometimes we have the husbands on, sometimes the wife, sometimes they're both together, sometimes they're on it and like you know, they're feeding their three-year-old or whatever. It's a, it's a good environment because look, and you know this, if you're not in a world with like-minded people, the world gets lonely really fast. It gets lonely. But when you come to a place and you have your husband and wife and all of a sudden, maybe the wife's not in the business, she goes, oh, wait a minute. My husband's not crazy. He's like these other people. And then the wife goes, oh, he's kind of normal. I didn't think that. I thought he was just crazy and wants to work all the time in this. And all of a sudden she goes, well, now I can see how we could be aligned together. My one client, um, been with me eight years, he turned around and he told his wife, uh, he was in my, he was in CEO Warrior. And he turned around, he said uh, to his wife, he, he became a decamillionaire, turned around his wife and said, Mike started this new thing called Food Dog Group. What should we do? She said, Whatever Mike does, you always do it forever. Just go there now, get us in. Nice. You know why? Because it's really not, it's not a secret sauce. It's a connection to like-minded energies that want to grow together with no egos, 
Because, you know, in especially in the world that me and you surround ourselves in, man, there's so many, you know, if I go to one more event where someone tells me, and I normally don't make super quick friends because uh, they come up to me and they go, ah, oh. I go, what do you do? And they go, oh, I got five different companies. And I'm like, okay, so you're broke, right? You know, and so I don't make really quick connections when I'm at these events because I'm, I'm brutally honest with them. Like, don't, I'm not, you don't need to impress me. I'm not even impressed with myself. Like, tell me how I can help you and let's build, grow, fix something. And, and, and don't go around telling the stories because you don't have to be, you're not trying to impress anybody out here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mentioned at the beginning, you've written 18 books. I've got one right yeah. here, but you have a new book. I was hoping you could talk yeah. about that. This one's cool. This is called mind power. Okay. And it's uh, the 17 secrets of using your thoughts to powerfully accelerate every area of your life. Um, it's a really good book. I, I don't need you to buy the book, but, uh, and actually if you hit me up somewhere, I didn't want this to be a drive-by. If you friend me on Facebook or private message me, I'll, I'll give you a link. You could get the book for free and you just pay shipping, but it's, it's really a good book. I worked really hard on looking at my life and all the ev evolutions of like where my mind was really not good. And then all the different shifts I did and learned along the way, I took a lot of what a lot of masters taught. And here's the question I asked myself, Eli, every time someone shared and I learned something new, I said, okay, what makes that true? And what makes it true for me? I stopped having blind faith on just learning from somebody. I was like, hang on, let me hear that. What makes that true that that person says, this is how things have to be. And then what makes it true for me? And it started me to really reflect on, on different areas. And I started to question some of the stuff that, that people were saying, like, look, a lot of people were saying this, um, you know, when you meet them, they go, oh, I, I only work five hours a week because they were programmed that if you work too much, you're not. So I said, I'm sorry to hear that. You should kill that because if you hate what you do so much, you'll only do it five hours a week. You should get rid of it because it means it's painful. Me, I love what I do so much. If I'm barbecuing on Sunday, I might be talking on the phone for the, if my mom doesn't understand it, she's like, oh, you're always working. I'm like, no, mom, I'm always living. You just not from a world to understand somebody with such passion and motivation to, to, to build and serve and change. You just never experienced that before. So it appears to be work. And this is the world's been, look, positive and negative. Yeah. You know, there is no positive and negative. There's no right and wrong. There's no good or bad. There's only the definition that you choose from it. But the whole world tells you, don't be negative or be positive. No, I guarantee, Eli, look, in your life, have you always been nice to everyone? No. You've Just like me, sometimes I'm nice, sometimes I'm not. And that's fine because that's what's called balance. That's called balance. Everybody trying to be in one side or act like they're one side, they get knocked off balance. And then they wonder why, you know, life is kind of bouncing them and knocking them around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's spot on, man. I can't wait to read that book myself. Uh, where can folks find out more about you and everything you have going on? Yeah, go to Food Dog Group. So it's F-U-D-O-G group dot com so fooddoggroup.com you'll get in and and find me on facebook send me a private message if you found something useful on here make sure you share this podcast with others because i love what eli's doing i've been in eli's world for a long time if there's a guy that knows about influence and sales like you're in the right place to get the jam on this stuff so and that's why i'm here because you know like i don't just go on these things for anybody that reaches out. I go on these types of podcasts for good hearted people doing good things. And um, that's what you're doing here, my friend. Thanks brother, I appreciate it. Is there, is there any question that I should have asked you that I didn't ask you about sales, influence, being legendary, building a business to the, the scale that you have? What, what's something I, I didn't bring up? Yeah, I think the thing is uh, the future, right? The future. 
and what does the future look like? And I believe the future is going to be one of two things. It's going to exactly look the way you design it, or it's going to exactly be the default of mm. no effort and no energy. And so no matter what you hear, um, design exactly what you want. It does not matter the president. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the state of the union. It does not matter the economy. It does not matter. If you build your life and your future by design, you'll get there. And the last thing I would say is, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in investing in yourself. And I would really consider looking um, the next couple of years, you should double down on investing in yourself. If it's a program that uh, Eli has or I have or someone else. And the reason why is because these changes that we're going through, investing in yourself is going to move you so much faster. I mean, probably like you, Eli, I mean, I have now, I think, two point probably seven million I've invested in myself in the last 15, 18 years and some people more than that. And they think, oh, that's crazy. Like what? Well, I sold two high eight figure businesses. Like if I gave you two high eight figure businesses that give me 2.7 million, you'd, you'd go find the money tonight. Invest in yourself. It will be your secret sauce to the next decade of your life. And we got a great decade, man. We're going to be probably interstellar travel, living in other, I mean, yeah. it's a great, great time to live. Great time to be alive. I yeah. appreciate you stay on for a minute. Um, yes. Everybody, thanks so much for listening. This is fire. I've got like eight pages of notes here. Definitely going to be uh, adding this to my evening routine as I reflect and create a life by design, not by default, uh, moving forward this year. Thank you so much, Mike. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Everything is Influence podcast. If you got value from this episode, loved what you heard, and you want to go deeper into really understanding the core fundamentals of influence, then I have one more gift for you. I've put together a special training just for the listeners of this podcast that breaks down the four levels of influence and how to start using these tools in your life today. If you want that free training, then go to wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wildinfluence.com forward slash go. That's wild with an E at the end, then influence.com forward slash go. All you need to do is enter your name, email, and phone number, and we will send that over to you straight away. Until the next time, my friend, this is Eli signing off from the Everything is Influence podcast.